Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. And we thank you all for coming. How many of you felt the Lord in our midst this morning? So I'm just going to pray in that vein for a moment, and then we'll get into the Word. So Holy Spirit, we just come before you, and God, we invite you to continue to move. Father, we invite you now to come and move in this place. God, we invite you to come and touch physical needs. Father, we invite you as healer to come into our midst and heal physical bodies. Lord, to make wrong things right in the name of Jesus. Father, to touch the hearts and spirits God, of those that are under different weights and pressures, God, we invite you to come and move, to minister. Father, we never want Sunday mornings to just be a a formal gathering of the saints. God, we want you in our midst. So God, we invite you to come to stir, to deposit in us the gift of hunger, of unction, God, give us a heart of humility and repentance and desire. God, we welcome you into this place in Jesus' name. And I just say I give you permission. If you feel the Lord moving on you in the service, I give you permission. You can come up to the altar. You can lay out and you can lay face down, whatever you, whatever you need to do. We, 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 we welcome the Lord and we also, we, we give Him space because we really want God to move. We do not want this to just be a, a canned event that we just, we do what we do because we do it. So today I'm going to be preaching on the call to corporate prayer and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Because I, I, I feel the Lord stirring. Two of the greatest things that have shaped my life, if I look back, the greatest things that have shaped my life in God, one of them is undeniably a long-term commitment to corporate prayer. It's undeniable. I believe that callings and giftings are birthed and molded and shaped in the place of corporate prayer. I believe that even if we don't see it immediately, that addictions and sin problems and identity problems and emotional problems and marriage problems and all of the things and pressures that we deal with that in the place of corporate prayer there's realignment. We, we, we give God an opportunity to move. We cannot demand that He moves. We cannot force His hand to move. But corporate prayer 
is that corporate act of humility to come before an eternal God and to say, Lord, without you we have nothing. Corporate prayer is the gathering of the saints before a holy God, the gathering of the saints before an eternal God, and to say, God, we need you. We are not an autonomous people. They can do this life without you. We can't figure it out on our own. We can't just trust our own intuition to figure out all of life's problems and challenges. And I, I just I feel that invitation of the Lord to really highlight that that's what corporate prayer is. It's, it's giving God space and time. And I'm going, to read a, I'm going to read a few quotes. This first one is by a, a friend of mine that I went to Bible school with. Um, he leads a house of prayer in South Dakota. It says, What we give our thoughts, eyes, speech, and time to throughout the day will either cultivate spiritual vibrance or spiritual dullness. What you do outside of your prayer times impacts what you experience inside your prayer time. What you do outside the prayer time impacts your experience inside the prayer time. And Lennon Ravenhill said this, the weakest meeting in the church, without exception, is the prayer meeting. If we are not strong in prayer, we are saying to God, we can manage fine without you. Thank you. I mean, it's, to my knowledge, it is a known statistic that prayer meetings are the least attended meetings that the church does. Any church. I'll give, I'll give one more quote. Backsliding generally first begins with neglect of private prayer. So the call to corporate prayer, that this topic is, it's weighty and hard to navigate precisely because it's so easy to hear the, the call to prayer and to have our human frame give that knee-jerk reaction and say, well, you just want more people to show up at your prayer meeting. And that, that, that reaction, it ends up feeling like it's just this religious standard of like you need to pray more. So then in order to keep face with your pastor or the church or you you know sometimes there's that that thing inside of us that says well I need to go because it's a spiritual thing to do but then inside we're actually we actually feel disgruntled and mad that we have to give up that time because of all the things that we could be doing during that time I mean, it's undeniable. You can renovate your house faster. You can enjoy your hobby more thoroughly. You can finish projects. You can, 
have a night out on the town. You can go to a fancy restaurant. There's so many things that you can add to your life if you don't pray in the natural. But the call to prayer is something holy. The call to prayer is God sitting on His throne and the doors open. There's an open invitation. The call to corporate prayer is God being present and available and the doors open. And anyone who desires can come through that door and meet with God. Anyone that desires, even in weakness, even in tiredness, even in the natural man being distracted, there's that open invitation to come in and to draw near to God. So corporate prayer isn't, it isn't just a metric of success for a body of believers where it's like, well, last year we had an average of 20 people at our prayer meeting. This year, let's make it 35. That's not the way to measure it. God desires us to draw near corporately. It's the yearning of his heart to have his creation care about him. It's the yearning of his heart to have his creation have that self-realization that, God, without you, I could do nothing. That left to my own devices, without you, God, life is empty. So the call to corporate prayer is about humanity coming before God to encounter Him for who He is. To humbly submit ourselves to God and wait. And I think, I think we've struggled with this in our generation. And we've struggled with this in the, in the charismatic world where we, we make prayer. There's, there's two realms there, there, there's, there's, there, there's the realm that we see, and then there's the, and then there's the, into the spirit realm, there's something else happening. But often we can focus our eyes on this realm, and when we're looking at this realm, what we think about primarily is, was the prayer meeting exciting? Was it fun? Did my emotions get moved? Did it feel powerful? Like we, we're looking as best we can at all these tangible things that we think we can measure to then determine if it makes sense for us to keep going. If it's exciting enough, if the people we like in the church most are there, is it worth our time? So we evaluate a prayer meeting oftentimes with metrics that God's not using. But the realm of the Spirit is a different realm where we're coming before God and, and we're saying, God, I'm coming here because of your worth, not because I feel powerful when I pray. I'm coming before God because because you created me to need you.
So I'm going to humbly submit to that created order and say, God, here I am. The difficulty is that in the natural, it feels boring. Sometimes. How many of you have been to a boring prayer meeting? How many of you have fallen asleep in a prayer meeting? There, there's this war in the Spirit over the church to primarily see and feel the natural and then to measure the effectiveness of the prayer meeting all by natural means. Was it exciting? Was it engaging? Did, did, did the prayer that I had on my heart, did it come across, did it come out bold and articulate? Did I feel anointed? And as I stare, as I stare at the Word and as I stare at biblical prayer, I see something different. I see them overwhelmed with God. And they pray out of that place of being overwhelmed by who God is. And not just being stirred up in the flesh and feeling powerful because we prayed this charismatic phrase that makes us feel like our prayers are more anointed. So corporate prayer, God is wanting to realign our hearts and how we measure it and why we show up. When I say that corporate prayer has shaped my life, I don't mean that every prayer meeting I went to was the most epic thing I've experienced. The reality of God is that we approach Him because He's worthy, not because we're guaranteed to get something out of it that exact time that we come. It's that humble submission of, God, you're worthy. It's like, it's like tithing. You know, how, how many of you have thought about like the amount per year that you give, and you're like, man, with that money, I could go on this vacation. I could buy this tool. I could fix this part of the house. I could do this. I could do that. But tithing is that humble submission saying, God, my life doesn't belong to me. My money doesn't belong to me. My, my aim is that the kingdom of God would grow, so some of that requires funding. So Lord, we, we release the funds so that your body can be ministered to corporately. In prayer, corporate prayer, is that tithing of our time. Tithing of our heart. Tithing of our emotions. Tithing of our desires. It's saying, my desires are not all my own to just do with Him what I want. The time and space of my intellect and my thoughts are not all my own. I can't just do with it what I want. So I come into the prayer meeting and I say, God, here I am. Here's this space between my two ears and here's this space here. God, do with it what you want. I may not feel anything. I may yawn, I may fall asleep, but God, here I am. We want to measure prayer by metrics that make us feel powerful. 
instead of measuring prayer by the greatness of God and that humble act of coming before Him and saying, God, I'm not powerful, but you are. God, I can't move mountains, but you can. God, I can't spark the third great awakening. Will it happen in my lifetime? I don't know. But it's that humble submission of saying, God, I'm giving you space. I'm giving you time to move. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to force things to move where they should move. But God, I'm giving you time and space. I don't know what to do with the anxiety or the fear in my heart. I don't know what to do with the lustful thoughts. I don't know what to do with whatever it is that we're, that we're dealing with. But we come before God in prayer and we wait. We come before God and we say, God, your way and not mine. Your kingdom and not mine. Your desires and not mine. While I was in worship this morning, a, a verse came to mind. Zechariah 9, 11 and 12. As I think about the foundation of prayer. We live in a time of human history and we live in a church culture that is very much reaching for power. There's things that we don't like in the government. There's things, things we don't like in laws. There's, there's, you know, COVID came onto the scene and the, the, the church was desperately grasping for God, what, what do I need to do to shift this? What do I need to do? What can I proclaim, prophesy, decree, declare? What can I say that will make COVID break and disappear suddenly? There were voices that some call to be prophets and this and that, that we're boldly saying COVID's going to disappear by X date. And it was just this stomp your feet, shake your fist, like, ah, in the name of Jesus, this is happening. And we saw that again with the elections, different denominations and church groups and prophetic conferences and everyone grasping for God we want your kingdom to be more manifest in our generation than it is. So there's this searching for God. Show me the method. Show me the method that I can use so that more power can flow. So that what I speak carries weight and power and so that, that, that things shift in our favor. And I'm not claiming that I have perfect discernment and what happened, or the heart postures involved, or their purity of heart before God, or anything of the sort. But as I look back over the last couple years, I see a church wanting more authority than it has, or grasping for more power than it has, or trying to exercise or find the hidden key to power and in doing that I think it has 
exposed our weakness. It's exposed the nature of our, of our heart to try to, in a sense, bypass waiting on God and like try a new thing because maybe it'll work. Like a new method of prayer, a new method of how we say it and the wor- where we place our words and the tone of our voice. And can, can, we, can we figure it out? Can we figure out the puzzle so that the kingdom of God can advance our way, our time? But as I look at the scriptures and I look at the reality of prayer from people like Daniel and Isaiah, I see something different. I see a contrast between the modern, the modern way of trying to get God to move and the ancient, the ancient paths. And I'm not even saying that I have all the clarity or all the answers, but my heart is stirred to shift the focus and to say, God, it's, it's not about the method. It's not the method that brings the anointing. It's not phrasing my prayers in a certain way. It's not adding the word, I prophesy or I decree. or It's not adding the phrase that somehow alters the power of my words. We are a small people before a great big God. And if we look biblically, what we see is we see the magnifying of God and the, the, the smallness of man and the trust. The trust that God is greater than we understand and that even though if I see my weakness clearer and clearer and clearer and I become smaller and smaller and smaller in my own eyes, God can still move. I don't need to be bigger and bigger and bigger in my own eyes. I don't need to have everyone in the room say, oh man, you're a whatever. Because as I said, there's two realms. In the realm of the natural, we want what we perceive to be authority, what we perceive to be anointing, we want that to be amplified for ourselves and for those who see us. But the question is, in the spirit realm, is that shifting and that moving and that putting our little pieces into place, is that actually altering what God sees and how God feels about our prayers? The Bible says man looks at the outside and God looks at the heart. So there's something inside of me that says, God, forgive us. Maybe there was elements of purity of heart. Maybe there was elements of hunger for God. I'm not the judge. But there's something inside of me that says, God, forgive us. God, we've tried. We tried through boisterous, prophetic decrees of I want this person in office and I'm just going to declare it and it's going to manifest. And I just want this to be moved here and that to be moved there and I want the third great awakening to start in this city and another group is saying it's going to start in that city. 
I've been to multiple cities in the U.S. and heard prophetic words, each of them, different cities, different groups, prophesying that the Third Great Awakening was happening in their, in their spot. I don't know how to sort that out. I'm not big enough to weigh the heart motives. All I know is that there's a God-ordained way to approach Him. And my heart is saying, God, show me that way. Because I don't just want to jump to the new charismatic thing, the new fad of like, this is how we get God. This is the ladder that we climb. These are the phrases that we say in order for God to manifest in a meeting. I want to humble my heart before, before almighty, ancient of days God and say, God, I don't have it all together. I don't understand it all. But God, come. Move. Have your way. Do something that my personality can't produce. Do something that the stomping of my feet can't produce. So Zechariah 9, 11-12 says, As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold of prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. I remember when this verse was given to me. It was a personal prophetic word over me in a time when I was wrestling where I felt a calling of God and there was also struggling with sin and I didn't know I didn't know how to get where God wanted me to be and I remember walking around by myself in a gathering of 15,000 people in Kansas City and I opened my Bible to this verse because the, the guy that was praying over me he just gave me this verse and prayed over me and, you know, went on his way. So I'm wandering around the conference center, reading over this verse, being like, I don't even know what this means. I, like, I don't get it. Prisoners who have this hope, like, what the heck? What is this? But this verse has stuck with me for 20 years. And this, this is one little piece of a foundation for prayer. Because of the blood of my covenant, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. We're trying to find, as the charismatic church, we're trying to find that vein of God's presence. We're trying to find that well of God's power. We're trying to find where and how and when God can and will move in our midst. And I think some of that is like, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's not be dull and not care. So God, yes, we want you. We, we want hunger. We want desire. We want to be looking for you. But the foundation of our access to God is because of His blood. Freedom is not attained because I put all the right pieces together and obtained freedom outside of God. Freedom is obtained because of the blood of the covenant. That means God can move no matter the personality type. 
God can move whether I stomp my feet and say, I declare and decree this and that and the other. So I, I feel God is, is, is re-inviting us to, to look at Him and to say, God, return to the stronghold of prisoners who have the hope. That means, that, that means there's still bondage, there's still need, but we're returning to the foundation of our hope. And we're saying, God, America needs you. The next generation needs you. We need you. But the foundation of that, the foundation of that confidence is in the blood. The foundation of that confidence is not in the number or style of prophetic words given over me and the hierarchy of names of, oh, this so-called leader or prophet said this and therefore my calling is this and therefore I have confidence and therefore I have anointing. It's all because of the blood. If there's anything to be obtained that's authentic, if there's anything to be obtained that's real, then it's because of the blood. Because of the blood of, 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 of God's covenant, we enter in by the blood, we put confidence in the blood, and we wait. The word of the Lord right now is wait. Wait in the name of Jesus. Wait, 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 wait on me. Wait on me. Wait on me. Wait until you're bored stiff. Wait until, until the, 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 the chaos of the mind, until you don't know what to do with it. The word of the Lord is wait, wait, wait. Come approach me and wait. Wait. In God's time, the word of the Lord will come. In God's time, the word of the Lord will come. But until then, we humble ourselves, we approach Him, we put our confidence in the blood, and we wait. Because anything else is just my own flesh trying to manipulate God. Saying, God, if I say it like this, then You'll do it. If I... If I pursue you like this, then I'm, I'm going to force you into a corner and then you'll release what, what I want. But the Ancient of Days is saying, will you, will I, will we return to the ancient path? And Jeremiah 6, verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the way, and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls but they said we will not walk in it and I set watchmen over you saying listen to the sound of the trumpet but they said we will not listen therefore hear O nations and know O congregation what is among them Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their plants, because they have not listened to my words. As for my law, they have re also rejected it. I don't want to be an individual, nor do I want to corporately 
shut my ears to listen. Stand by the way, see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. There is an ancient path. The corporate prayer, the way God has ordained it, is coming before him in humble submission and waiting. Isaiah 56, 6 says, Also the foreigners who will join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be, will, will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. So what is that foundation? They will gather to minister to Him. We gather to minister to God. If we are primarily focused on ourselves, we will either not show up because we're we're busy, tired, distracted, there's a thousand other things we'd like to do, or we'll come in self-service of trying to feel powerful and anointed and feel the right thing, but the house of prayer that the Lord wants to build is one where people come to minister to Him. We're simply coming in those open doors to come before a holy God that has forever sat on His throne. Generations have come and gone. World leaders have risen and fallen. But He's secure on His throne and we come before Him and we minister to Him. We're not primarily trying to find some hidden key so that we can say the right phrase so that America can shift the way we want it to shift. If America is to see revival in our generation. It will be because of Him. Because of His merciful choice. It will not be because we prayed the perfect prayers. It will not be because we said the perfect phrase. It will not be because one ministry joined forces with another ministry and they laid hands on each other and prophesied this or that or the other. If God is to move, it is for His glory, by His power, all for Him. All for Him. For His purposes. For His glory, by His power. By Him, through Him, to Him, unto Him. Because of Him. Joel 2.12 We will end with this verse. Yet even now, declares Yahweh, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Tear your heart and not your garments. Now return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, relenting concerning evil. Who knows? whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. 
even a grain offering and a drink offering for Yahweh your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Set apart a fast as holy. Call for a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Set apart the congregation as holy. Assemble the elders. Gather the infants and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom come out of her room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the ministers of Yahweh, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Pity your people, O Yahweh, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Return to me. That's the word of the Lord. Return to me. That, that, that's the word that God is forever releasing over the earth. That is always the heart thrust of God. That call, return to me. Authentically, return to me with fasting, weeping, and, and mourning. When it says, set apart a fast as holy, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, set apart the congregation as holy, assemble the elders, gather the infants and the nursing babies. How many of you like bringing infants to prayer meetings? If God looked at it the way we did, it wouldn't say that. When God says, let the infants come, let the nursing babies come, let the bride that's putting on her wedding dress come to the solemn assembly, that's to say that there are times and seasons where God is saying, shut everything down. God is saying, forget the football game. Shut it down. Shut down the outing, the event. The plan to get together. Shut down the vacation. And gather to seek the Lord. Gather to return to Him. And if that's true, how many of you know that in that place there is distraction? I have three little kids. I can't sit through a prayer meeting without hearing somebody screaming at somebody else and I have to go deal with it. So the aim from God's perspective, what He's wanting and looking for, can't be the perfection that I want in my own mind. Of I got perfect energy, I've got perfect focus, my kids are in order or they're not present, and everything's just lined up. And I had an awesome conversation walking in, and my best friend's sitting next to me, and they think I'm awesome, and... What God's looking for has to be something different. Because when He gives a declaration like this, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and kids are present. How do you fast, weep, and mourn, and have kids present? So God is saying that there, there's something messy about the gathering, but there's something holy about the gathering. There's something messy about the gathering, but there's something holy about the gathering. Because we're coming before God with all of the chaos, with all of the distractions. The last Tuesday I was here, I was half asleep. 
I was tired. So does that mean I shouldn't have been present? Does that mean that it was a worthless prayer meeting to, for me to attend? Or does maybe, maybe God see things a little differently? Maybe if my heart is coming before God saying, I'm here, God, I give you space. Space to speak. If you desire to touch my emotions and stir me, God, I give you permission. And we're saying, God, come. Have your way, do what you want. And I'm going to give this to you as holy. And I'm not going to jump ship on the corporate prayer meetings just because sometimes to the natural man, they, they don't do what I want them to do. They don't edify me. They don't stir me. They don't entertain me. We claim, the, 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 the Christian claim, is that we value God so much that we want to spend eternity with Him. Right? I mean, the foundational belief is that God, we want to be saved, not just so that we don't burn in hell, but we want to be saved not just from hell, but into relationship with God. So that proclamation is saying, God, from my lips I'm saying you have worth. So in practice... One of the ways that we can walk out that worthiness of God is to give of our heart, of our time, of our mind, to give it to God in the place of corporate prayer and to say, God, we wait. That verse, who knows? Who knows if you'll relent and leave a blessing? There's that, there's that unknown of like, Either judgment's coming because of all the sin, or maybe, who knows, maybe I'm going to come and touch you. Maybe I'm going to refresh you with revival. Maybe I'll relent. And I think that's the heart posture that God is wanting us to have. Where we come to God, not because it feels right on this side, not because everything, our emotions and our time and our energy and everything is aligned up right. So it's like, oh yeah, it's fun to come to a prayer meeting. Sometimes it is. I've had some radical moments in prayer meetings that have altered my life, altered the trajectory of my life completely. But the corporate gathering is not about me. Sometimes I will feel it. Sometimes I will be stirred. Sometimes I will feel anointed. Sometimes I will feel unction. Sometimes I will feel hunger. But the corporate prayer meeting is about Him. So Craig, I just invite you to come up. The call today is not to commit to coming to 50 to 100 more prayer meetings this year than you did last year. If God moves on your heart to do that, praise God. But the call today is is to come before God and say, God, your ways are bigger than my ways. Would you realign my heart posture, realign my motivations, realign my focus around the reality of corporate prayer? If, you, if, if, you, if that's you, if you're like, okay, Lord, I'm weak, I'm, I'm, I get... I get hungry, I get distracted, I get tired. I, the, the thousand things that 
hinder our enjoyment of corporate prayer. We just lay that at the Lord's feet and say, God, you knew it. You knew that these are the dynamics of raising kids. You knew that these are the dynamics of working this job or that job and having the complexities that I have in life. But if that's you, if you just want to come before God and say, Lord, have your way. Show the value of corporate prayer to me, not so that I can check it off a list, but so that I can grow in my acknowledgement of you. If that's you, I just invite you just to come forward and just before the Lord, just ask Him to, to wash over you. So I just invite you all to stand. And Lord, we just... God, we come before you corporately. Lord, with no shame of our performance no shame of our presence or absence in prayer, God, we God, we say because of the blood of your covenant, would you have your way? Would you bring your spirit into our midst to touch us, to move us, to realign us? Father, we pray that prayer would be something holy in our lives. That corporate prayer would be something holy, God, where we're not coming for ourselves, our own entertainment or pleasure, Lord, but we are simply waiting on You, God. We open our ears to hear You speak. We open our hearts and we say, touch our hearts, God. Teach us how to pray. We say, come Holy Spirit. we renounce and repent God for our lack of patience God wanting to get you to move before it's your time or wanting it to look like the way we want it to look like God we humble ourselves before you do it your way God do it in your time God We submit to the ancient paths, the ancient way, God. We simply want to look to You, to minister to You. In the name of Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to, how to wait.
God, we invite you to teach our distracted and impatient hearts, God. Teach us how to wait. Teach us how to value you. Teach us how to minister to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 